0: Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Chris Dorides. Chris is the Deputy Chief Economist, and Marissa Di Natale. Uh, Marissa manages uh, uh, our global forecast process. Hi, guys. How's it going?
1: Hi,
2: Mark. Doing all right? Doing yeah. all right, Mark? Hi, hey, Chris. Before we begin, yeah. I was wondering if I could ask you something, Mark, because I yeah, think Mara. it's important we get this out out of the way here. I know you're a big Phillies fan, so um, will you be willing to accept the results of the World Series? Should should in fact the Astros win more games than the Phillies? That is a really difficult question
0: to answer, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, was I did take some real satisfaction though in the Phillies being able to figure out the uh, signs uh, in that game where they had five home runs. I think they figured out the signs. Between the pitcher and the catcher, unlike the, you know the uh, the Astros back in the day stealing the signs, I think they've actually you know ah. figured it out this time. Yeah. Uh, so some some satisfaction in that, but yeah, I mean the Astros okay. are a great team. Come on, all I mean, right, gee whiz, their pitching is un- unbelievably good. Uh, but
2: all uh, right, I don't need it. I don't need any uh, contest. What about you? Aren't, aren't, are you, are you I'm a uh, yeah, I'm a fair, fair weather, weather fan. Yeah, <laughs> I want. I want the Phillies to win because all my neighbors want them to win, but.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. You know. What about you, Mercer? Are you a, a Phillies fan? Uh,
1: not, not so much anymore. I mean, when I lived there, I was. It's, it's harder out here to follow them. You know, I, I've actually, you're probably not going to like this. I've actually become something of a Dodgers fan since moving oh. out here.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: I know i know i know i know um but i am definitely rooting for the phillies in this world series absolutely yeah
0: well i think all of america is except for people with i would
1: imagine yeah few miles of houston. <laughs> yeah i think yep
0: yeah but it doesn't look good you know we're, we're down two no three two and then both game, the last two games are in houston right so it's gonna be pretty tough that's right yeah anyway um but a, a great question, Chris, really good question. And yeah, I should say we're all out and about. I mean, it's interesting since um, really uh, over the last three months, it feels like we're all back on the road again, uh, traveling. And you can hear uh, I'm away uh, uh, right now and Marissa's away. And Chris, you've been on the road a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You it's, told uh, me yesterday
0: you were in West Palm. Palm Beach. Down, or... down in
2: Florida. Day before yeah. that, I was in New York City. So yeah, yeah, and around. Everyone's
0: very busy. Everybody wants in person. They want.
2: They want to see people. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, so I've Mark had my. Mark and I follow. saw each
1: other in person the other night. Oh, oh yeah, That's right. Oh, That's right. for the first time in years. It,
0: yeah, and we had a the great pandemic, dinner.
2: or or even before. Mm,
0: well, I can't remember last time, Marissa. Can you? The last time we saw each other in person.
1: I mean, it must have been
0: 2019. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 2020.
1: Actually, I think I came to Westchester February of 2020. So perhaps then. Okay. But yeah.
0: We had had a great dinner with uh, clients in San Francisco, Mirsa and I. We had a a dinner. I think there was, I don't know, 12, 15 clients there. And uh, I have to say they're pretty lugubrious. uh, Meaning... (laughs) Pretty, pretty pessimistic, wouldn't you say, Marissa?
1: They were really pessimistic, yeah. Yeah, yeah we asked them what their, what their own you know su- uh, subjective odds of recession were. And with maybe one exception, everybody was like well over 60%. Yeah. Somebody was like 85%. Yeah.
0: I mean, I was the most optimistic. Well, I wasn't the most. There was one other person there that was more optimistic than me, but it was... They're pretty pretty down. I mean, obviously, San Francisco. I I, I think one could argue is the weakest large uh, uh, metro area economy in the country. Right? It's getting creamed by tech layoffs, yep. and uh, it's the only place where it's the only industry that are really suffering layoffs up to this point.
2: Well, mortgage. <laughs> oh, yeah, housing, right? Yes. Yeah, That's but
0: small, but yeah, uh, and house prices are down a lot mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco right I mean by our measure seven eight percent already so I think right. I think uh, kind of coloring people's view but nonetheless they were they were pretty pretty pessimistic
2: but they were pessimistic down, down in Florida too yeah I oh, asked really? the same question down there you know 80 90 the 90 to 100 percent category for probably recession was the uh, the most popular so <laughs>
0: Oh wow!
2: A lot of uh, but they're risk managers, right? That's oh, I see. By nature, yeah, they never yeah. go below fifty. So <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, good point. But still, wow, still, still, they're they're convinced next twelve months we're going in going into recession. Huh.
0: Well, let's get down to business then. I mean, today's jobs Friday. We got the jobs numbers for the month of October, and um, you want to give us a rundown, Chris? Uh, give us a sense of the numbers.
2: Yeah, I I'd, I'd consider this a bit of a cloud employment report. You can see what you want into it. Most overall uh good, right? We added 261,000 uh jobs to the economy or uh, to the payrolls. Uh unemployment rate did tick up to 3.7%, right? So, um payroll growth is, is still positive, it's still stronger than what we need for population growth, but it is slowing, right? So that that downward trend and that you could argue is by Fed design, right? So I don't think the report itself changes policy. I think it's well within what their expect, what the Fed's expectations were, or what other investors uh, were expecting. It's, it was stronger than uh, consensus, but I think the consensus range was, was fairly large. There were some uh, parts of the report that were more or less positive than others. Again, depending on when, what your point of view is. Um, the labor force actually declined by uh, two hundred and one thousand. Right, so you know you have a, an unemployment rate that is going up, maybe for the wrong reasons. Uh, from from that standpoint, the um, employment to population ratio. When you for, say
0: wrong reason, you you mean just a weaker job market?
2: Weaker job market. Well, you, you have uh, yeah. people actually stepping out, right? That,
0: yeah, which yeah. We, that's the bad news is good news, though, right?
2: Yeah, but you could have life. you could have people coming in and just not finding jobs, right? Or you could have them stepping out, right? So
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in this case, yeah. oh but we had participation rates decline, the labor force participation in unemployment actually rose. And it goes to decline in household employment in the month. So employment by the household survey measure, that declined.
2: Correct. Correct.
0: So in most times you'd say, Oh, that's bad news. Jobs decline.
2: Yeah. But yeah. in the
0: current context, you say that's good news because
2: then the Fed won't. The, uh... Yeah, it means <laughs> the labor
0: market's easing, cooling off. And obviously, we need that for inflation to come back down. So that that feels like bad news is good news.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it fine. depends okay, on okay. your perspective. Just, just to clarify. Uh, just yeah. To yeah. Clarify. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. So you also had the uh, employment population ratio for prime age uh, workers falling. To 78, 79.8, and that's the biggest drop since uh, was it twenty seventeen, right? So, again, good news or bad news, <laughs> uh, type of situ- situation there. No, no,
0: bad news is good news. I know it's it's my number. <laughs> well, bad news is good news. So, so you know, typically, if, if employment to population is declining, that means there's more slack in the labor market. Typically, that would be uh, well. We don't want that. We want a full employment economy. But in the current context, where the labor market's very tight, wage growth is strong and inflation is high, you go, okay, that bad news typically is now good news. Not good. <laughs> I know, very mind-blowing.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. indeed. So, um, And then I, I think probably that perhaps the most important number from the Fed's perspective is actually the wage number, wage growth. And we've, we've uh, mentioned m- multiple times on the podcast the issues in terms of average hourly earnings and... Uh, and whatnot, but but nonetheless, it is a number that uh, folks do focus on, and um, that actually was up 0.4 percent on a month-over-month basis. Right, it had been growing at a 0.3 percent. So that may be a case where you know, good news for the household is actually bad news for the for the Fed, right? So, um, although year uh, on a year-over-year basis, low. it's yeah. yes, correct, 4.7 percent. So it is coming in. On a year-over-year basis, but yeah, month-to-month trends. Uh, and there's lots of movement. You don't want to read too much into them. Uh, but nonetheless, it is it is something to, to note. Would you say though, Chris. I mean, just taking a step back.
0: From yeah, the month-to-month movement. It does feel like, and, and also bringing in all the other wage data that we are East employment cost index, everything else we look at. Feels like wage growth is topped out. That's what it feels. like. It doesn't feel like it it's does. accelerating anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's accelerating. It might not be going down as fast as we otherwise might like. That's the, mm-hmm. that's perhaps the, uh, the bigger issue here, but yeah, I don't see many signs of it continuing at the, at the pace it was uh, previously. So. Right. Um, right. beyond that, uh, what can I say? There were some revisions for August and, uh, September, right? So some movement around, uh, so net, we actually added more jobs than we, when we had pr- uh, previously thought. Um in terms of the sectors, we had we, the the wage or the, the job growth was actually fairly widespread. Uh, leisure hospitality rose by 35k, which you know is positive, but that that industry in particular is still uh, low relative to what was pre-pandemic. So we're still about a million or so short relative to February. So we might have expected a little bit more growth there, but um nonetheless. It was positive. Uh, the only uh, negative I, I that kind of stuck out was warehousing, but I don't think that's terribly surprising in terms of what we're hearing from Amazon and others in terms of the um, the overhiring uh, they may have done uh, previously and now uh, shedding some jobs uh, given the uh, the overstock. Or the shift in demand, really, for uh, services versus goods that is going on. So there was a a job law, a net job loss of about twenty thousand in in warehousing, but that had been a a very strong grower to begin with. So I'm not terribly
0: any sector. uh, I haven't had a chance to dig deep. Any sector showing any declines? Any major industry that showed declines in employment, or is just slower
2: job growth? Uh, correct. The warehousing was really the only one that showed anything of significance in terms of declines. The others were, yeah, just not uh, growing as quickly as uh, they had in the past.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hey, Marissa, anything to add to Chris's uh, pricey of uh, of the report?
1: Um, the One thing that stuck out to me in terms of the sectors was construction. It had a very small job gain of 1,000. Um, which is tiny compared to what it had been doing. And there were actually job losses throughout some of those sub subcomponents of construction, like contractors and residential, non-residential contractors. Um, but I think I, you know, I agree with the overall take. I mean, it's still a pretty solid report. It was better than people were expecting. I don't really know how, you know, how much stock or what to make of the household survey side of things, right? Just the the big loss in jobs. And actually, if you adjust the household survey to the payroll survey um, definition and methodology, you would get an even larger loss um, on the household survey side. So I'm not, you know, that it's a much smaller survey. The sampling error is much, much larger. So it's hard to know if we should, you know, put a lot of stock in that, especially because this is the first month that that's happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still, at least on the payroll side, looks pretty solid, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. One thing that they did, the BLS did mention that I want to call out, because I know you're down in Naples, Florida, is Ian, the hurricane that kind of blew through. Yeah. And it, uh, According to BLS, it didn't have any impact on the job numbers or I think that's what they said, Realized that. So.
1: Yeah, they did. And um, we might see it when they release the data for states and metro areas, you know, um, later. Maybe there's something there. And, and you do see a little bit of, of it in the jobless claims data, right? In the initial claims for unemployment insurance, we saw some effect of Ian there. But yeah, I mean, according to BLS, it had no, their exact words were, it had no discernible effect on this report. Interesting. Well,
0: you know, my take is that it definitively shows the labor market is cooling. I mean, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the year, yeah, the economy was creating six hundred thousand jobs on average per month. This would indicate, and if you even with the revisions and everything, it feels like we're at three hundred k. So, a halving of the job growth. Now, still more uh, still stronger than what than we uh, need. would like to see yeah. to make sure that the we start generating some labor market slack and and uh, weight allowing wage growth to moderate more sufficiently which is critical to getting inflation back in uh you, you know the kind of the rule of thumb is 100k per month so if you're north of 100k and we're say we're at 300k if you're north of 100k then in typical times, given typical labor force growth uh uh, you would see unemployment continuing to decline. If you're below 100K, that would be uh, slow enough that you start to see some slack develop. Unemployment moving higher. I will say though that
2: threshold
0: feels a little higher to me right now because underlying labor force growth is uh, feels like it's more like 200 250K. I mean, if you look at overall labor force growth, even with the decline in labor force participation this month, it's almost two percent year over year. So that's more than double the growth in the labor force typically. And so it feels like we're getting really good, solid labor force growth here. That goes back, you know, if it's not the labor force participation rate, that goes back to working age population. In fact, it goes more specifically to foreign immigration. If you look at the employment of foreign born workers, that is now rising very rapidly and continue to rise in October. So it feels like the threshold for getting unemployment moving south in the context of current labor force growth is, is higher. It feels like it's Couple hundred thousand, maybe two hundred fifty thousand. I think we're pretty close uh, to that. If we're not, if we're not there, you know, or, already. Uh, the other thing I'd say is uh, uh, household employment, and you know, generally, I agree we should be focused on establishment employment. I just, but I would just point out, household employment has gone nowhere since the beginning of the year. It is, it has flatlined. Uh, so, uh, no growth. Uh, you know, that's more volatile because it's based on a smaller survey of households compared to the establishment survey, the survey businesses. So don't want to put too much stock in into it, certainly not on a month-to-month basis. But you know, if you take a step back, it really hasn't grown at all, increased at all since the beginning of the year. And that goes to labor demand. So labor supply is pretty good. Labor demand feels like it's weakening. And it does feel like we're starting to see some signs of slack building in to the labor market. I mean, the unemployment rate did rise. You know, it's no longer <laughs> falling, that's for sure. Right, right. You know, and from 3.5 to 3.7. That may overstate the case, but it's definitely not falling. And employment to population, which you pointed out for prime age workers, that that does feel like it's rolled over. It's now it's below that key 80% threshold that we consider, at least historically, to be consistent with full employment. We're now at 79.8, still very high, but definitely, definitively, you know, moving down. So uh, uh, and then the wage growth, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's rolled over, but it's definitely stopped accelerating. I, you know, we're we've seen 5% seems to be kind of the, the ceiling for wage growth. And you know, if anything, it feels like it's you know starting to top out and start to come, come, coming down. So I don't know, I, I look at this and I, I come away with this, you know, it's not where we need it to be. It's not where the Fed would want it to be. Uh, so more rate hikes coming, we need to see more slowing and growth, but it feels like it's moving definitively in the right direction here. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we have a, a labor market that's, uh, you know, kind of where the Fed would want it by early next year. At least that, that's my take on it. So how, how would you guys, Chris, how would you react to what I just said? I saw you, I saw you yeah. when I t- said labor force growth, I surprised you with that statistic. You're going, that can't be right. I Saw it on your face, but it is
2: right for the household, yeah. Okay, no, labor,
0: labor force growth. Take the labor force, that's labor supply. Just look at the year over year growth, it's a rock solid two percent, you know, give or take. It might be, I don't know, one nine or whatever, but it's it's two percent. And typically, in a typical economy, it's no more than one. And you yeah. could argue, given demographics, it should be closer to a half a point, right? You know, right? So, something like that. So, we're getting pretty sizable labor force and again it's not because of participation because that declined and it's still more than a point below it was pre-pandemic. It's all about working age population right now all about poor immigration. Uh, yeah. So, so how, how would you yeah. write how, how would you react to it
2: well last? I guess I come back to the cloud. You kind of see what you want to see in it. <laughs> uh, do you see I, I something different?
0: I, I, I mean I that's I mean now you're right. You see what you want to see, but it you know I mean
2: it's still quite str- I, I mean it's still quite strong right in terms of the payroll uh growth and although i don't again i don't think this uh changes the fed's decision at this point in terms of a 50 basis point hike in in december but it's it's not helping the case either i think the preference would have been to something uh softer here
0: yeah yeah but you know we're, you know here's the other thing how how can we expect the labor market that's rip roaring coming into the year, you know, creating six hundred thousand jobs a year. It's not gonna, you know, it's just not gonna turn on a dime, you know. So, I mean, it, it, it's hard to. Yes, we want to We want uh, to slow even further. But is that even realistic or reasonable to think that 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 would, that would be possible?
2: Well, I think we've been at, at at this for a while, right? We would we had expected that these mega rate hikes would have had some more uh, pronounced effect. right Now, I I think right.
0: No, I, I'm not. No, I mean, th- what was the funds rate uh, at the beginning of the year? Was well, zero, zero, yeah. zero. And they were QE. We're not even a year into these rate hikes. We're, we're, when did they start raising rates? It was probably, I think, it was March. March. Yeah, yeah. We're we're seven months in. I mean, come on. You but really... at
2: a very aggressive pace, right?
0: <laughs> so. Well, yeah, sure, but but still seven months in. Seven months in. You take and take these. Take, well, here's the other thing. Companies, most particularly large companies that employ a lot of people, you know, that where the bulk of the labor market is, they don't, they don't. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it's a. Uh, uh, what's the word? It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a container ship. You know, it doesn't. It's not a speedboat. It doesn't. You know, you go this way and then you go that way. It's, it takes time to move the ship, and so you're telling your HR department at the beginning of the year, you know, let's hire. I and mean, we're full bore higher. You keep it's impossible to say now. Stop hiring and now start laying off workers quickly. It takes time for that to happen. And in my in my sense is, if you're listening, if we're, you know, talking to clients and talking to everyone else, that is happening. So we will see this more clearly going forward. Job growth will slow. It's just it does it's just we're expecting it to happen way too quickly. I mean, seven months into the rate hikes, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like. That's realistic to think we'd be seeing something meaningfully weaker than this, uh, you know, at this point. I don't know, Marcia, how, what, what was your, given, the, given this conversation, how, how do you react to it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, it, it, right, we started at zero on the Fed funds rate. So, I mean, even though they've been aggressive, it's, it's taken time to get to where we are now. And I think now we're really seeing, I mean, even in the housing market, right, that was the most sort of immediate impact of the rate hikes that we saw. And we're still not even really seeing layoffs related to to housing yet, Um, at least not not significant ones. Um, It seems like we're at an inflection point, I would say in terms of the labor market. I mean, I I think it does seem like wage growth is still solid but it's not accelerating. We wanna see it slow down. I mean, we saw it a little bit with the last release of the employment cost index, right? But I mean, it was a, a touch um, slower. And certainly, yeah, job creation, job growth is slower than it was, much slower than it was earlier in the year. But again, still pretty decent, right? In normal times, if you get a gain of 260000 on the payroll survey, that would be considered a a boom report, right. Prior to the pandemic. So um, I think the Fed keeps doing what it said it's going to do and is going to keep, keep raising and is going to be aggressive about fighting inflation.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no argument there. Uh, But I'll just, just keep pushing a little bit more going back to labor supply. If it's 2% growth, that's, 3 million added to the labor force every year divide by 12 what is the what is monthly labor force growth it's it's pretty close to what we got for the employment number today 260,000 right yeah so we're all, i mean by that measure we're there we're already there i mean we're all, labor demand is already now on top of labor supply And given the trend lines, it's very clear labor demand is going to weaken. I don't know what, you know, I'm assuming labor supply remains, continues to remain roughly where it is for a while. And we're going to get higher unemployment. We're going to get lower employment to pop. We're going to get more fewer unfilled positions. Here's the other thing. I'm just curious in your reaction. All of this slowdown that we've observed so far is on the hiring side right we know layoffs are not up
2: mm-hmm. okay. right we
0: know initial claims for unemployment insurance are you know just over 200,000 per week that is that is record low despite tech layoffs there's no layoffs in in mortgage finance as you pointed out right it's obviously nowhere else i mean we're not seeing layoffs yet we're not even seeing typical layoffs yet you know typical would be no. ui claims at what 250 <laughs> 250,000 per week something like that yeah so mm-hmm. all of this slowdown that we've observed uh, is around hiring and so we and we know the layoffs are coming. They're they're definitely coming. You can see, for example, the Challenger numbers, which is announced layoffs. Their rise, they're starting to come in. They, I think, mm-hmm. the strongest increase last month. You know, in a long, long time, and you know that's going to start showing up in the data. So it feels it, it. just feels like to me, labor demand, which has been growing much stronger than labor supply, is now pretty much closed the gap because we've gotten some improvement in supply and demand is definitely weakening. And they're going to cross now that. We're just going to see uh, uh, labor, um, uh, see layoffs start to kick in into a, and, and at least you know normalize to something we've seen in store. Okay, I'll stop again. I'll turn it back to you, Chris. What do you think of that?
2: It, uh, how can I dispute it? It's a, okay. craft okay. such a beautiful uh, story. <laughs> the only thing is that uh, I, I worry, again, that the Fed is going to overstep here, right? That it's not fast enough, that they, they uh, inflation doesn't come in fast enough, the wage pressures continue, Ah, uh, for a while, and they overshoot, right? That's the uh, that's the fear to my mind, right? Yeah, sure. You, I mean, you have this nice have, glide right. path, and yeah, I, I believe yeah. the glide path, right? And yeah. if if we didn't have this uh, inflation issue in the background, very very likely that we could uh, the, that we could land this uh, plane so gently on the tarmac. But uh, yeah.
0: no, okay. I just see a
2: an overreaction uh, being a likely scenario.
0: Well, let me. That's a great point. Okay, so you know, obviously, all this conversation is around can the Fed land the plane on the tarmac? Can it soft land? It, actually, that's a bad description because no one's saying soft landing. No, under any scenario, it's going to be uncomfortable—an uncomfortable, uncomfortable land.
2: Softish, I guess, is the yeah, just less
0: <laughs> less bad than you know hard landing, a crash landing. But uh, there's three ways it feels like we can land in recession. One is if the economy doesn't cooperate. If I'm wrong you know, about the story, as you put it, that I describe, is incorrect that, you know, we're, we're not gonna see the labor market ease sufficiently to bring in wage growth and quell inflation. That's one way, right? Mm-hmm. Because then at that point, the Fed, it's not the Fed's making a mistake, they they, no, they but, have to get inflation. It's not a mistake, yeah. it's, they've got to push us into
2: it It's a reaction, right.
0: yeah. Yeah, and what I'm arguing is, I, I don't think that right now, given the data we have to, to date, doesn't feel like that's what's going to push us into recession. It feels like the economy is cooperating, you know, with what the Fed wants. But the second way you get into recession is the one you just said. The Fed could make a mistake. They could they could misinterpret what's going on or be impatient with what's going on. And then you know they don't they don't pause at any point. They keep going and they push the economy into recession. And they didn't have to, of course. We will never know whether that was a real mistake or not, because you, you don't know the counterfactual if they actually do that. And then the third way you go into recession is, OK, the economy cooperates, the Fed does everything right, but the economy still going to be very weak and fragile. It's, again, it's not going to be a soft landing doesn't describe it. It's going to be uncomfortable. And in your, when you're in that situation, you are vulnerable to anything else that can go wrong, even a small thing. And that, yeah. you know, that seems very... Plausible. I don't, I don't know how to forecast that, but you know that's obviously you know significant. That, that, Mercy, yeah. what do you think of that frame? What I just said?
1: Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I mean, the Fed has has explicitly talked about this too, right? They have said that they would rather overdo it. They would rather over tighten monetary policy than not go far enough, because if they overdo it, then they can course correct. Pretty quickly, right? They can lower rates quickly. They can um, they can do Q- they can do QE again. I mean, they can. There's there's a lot of tools that they can use if they over overdo it. But if they underdo it, then it's harder to get entrenched inflation under control if they don't go hard enough. So they've explicitly talked about this. I mean, I think they talked about it um, during you know like in the past week, right? so I, I I just i yeah, I mean, I think that it we know that monetary policy happens with a lag, it'll take time to show up, but it seems like it is. I mean, it seems like it's it's not happening quickly, but it seems like we're at some inflection point here with both inflation and with the job market, right, so I think they stay the course,
0: right, hey, Chris, can I ask you because uh, i you know I, I haven't looked, but maybe you have. Feels like the market react. I saw the stock market. Stock market was up. It looked like bond yields, long term bond yields, were up a little bit as well. Yeah. What do you? How do you? What was the? What do you think investors' reaction was to the job numbers? You heard our. You heard my reaction, and we heard yours. In Marissa's, what, what do you think the market's react? Investors' reaction is to the job numbers.
2: How are they interpreting? I think it's in line with the script that they had. Uh, they had in mind in terms of the the Fed with a fifty basis point. Uh, mm-hmm. hike in December I don't think this changes the direction one one way or the other right uh, right so. so
0: so right now in our forecast for the Fed we have another half point 50 basis point increase in the fund rate when the Fed meets in December and then another quarter point in January when they meet at the end of the month and yeah. that would put the federal funds rate target at 4.5 to 4.3 4.75 the range. Uh, for the uh, funds rate, and then they, then we assume that they stop at that point and keep the funds rate at that so-called terminal rate, that's the highest the rate will get during the cycle, through 2023, goes into 2024, and by 2024, there's enough evidence that inflation is coming back to the Fed's target that they can slowly allow the funds rate to normalize beginning in the second half of 2024 going into 2025. That and that and then in our baseline, that's the baseline, the most the scenario in the middle of the distribution. The economy comes close to stalling out, but doesn't go in, into recession. Not a an actual, you know, broad-based, persistent decline in economic activity as defined by the uh, Business Cycle Dating Committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research. What what are the markets saying right now? You know, where, where do you have a sense of what investors are saying about the terminal rate and how long? Are the fund rate's going to remain at that terminal rate?
2: Yeah, I, I looked at it at looked at the futures earlier. I but uh you know these things are are changing all the time but uh, a little bit higher right so uh, terminal rate around right around four and three quarter to five percent I think was the uh the median maybe a little bit higher than that even maybe the the next one up the five to a, five and a quarter so um what's that two more rate hikes than what we have uh, adding another there.
0: half point to the correct, potential. yeah, half yeah.
2: Point, right. that's the median. Obviously, there are investors yeah. that are on the other side of that. They get even higher, and others that are more aligned in line with us. Uh, right.
0: Do you know how long the markets are anticipating the rate to stay at that terminal rate? I mean, before the FOMC meeting this week, when they raised rates three quarters of a point. I think markets are expecting the funds rate to start coming back down in late 2023. Do you know? Uh, yep. I'm uh, okay.
2: pulling it up right now. I see that the, um, it looks like December, they start to
0: come down, moderate a bit. Right? Interesting.
2: Okay. So,
0: yeah. So, so I think
2: the timing is actually quite similar to what we've, uh, or what you've outlined uh, here in right. terms of holding throughout 2023. And then right. little, reduction at the end right? as the economy is weakening. Okay,
0: okay, okay. Um, so right now, uh, and, and I think the markets moved with the meeting, right? When at, at the Fed meeting, uh, the Fed announced the 75 basis point, three-quarter point hike in the funds rate. In the statement they released uh, with that decision, that actually felt, to my read, a little bit what you might call dovish that they were, they were going to start winding, they're going to scale back and future rate increases, and it was it felt consistent with our four and a half to four and three quarters. But then when Fed Chair Powell gave his press conference, he sounded a lot more, as they say, hawkish, and certainly that was the market's ex, uh, interpretation, and they marked up the funds rate to terminal rate to five, five to five and a quarter, you know, another half point. Is so that had the correct interpretation of? Of events,
2: yeah, that was that's yeah that's what I saw, and I think he's fighting a battle with the financial markets. More, more I than agree with you, right? Yeah. That seems to be his battle all year. <laughs> no matter how uh, hawkish he seems to come across, it seems that the markets digest that, and then another rally ensues, right? So, I think he's having to be even more uh, hawkish than he otherwise would be to make sure that those financial conditions uh, remain tight. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it seems to me if I, were, if I were in his shoes, I'd be doing the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want the stock market to come back. Right. You know, uh, you know, I don't want corporate credit spreads to narrow. I don't want mortgage rates to decline. You know, I'm okay with the strong value of the dollar. I, you know, I don't want banks to ease up on their underwriting or, you know, I want them to be really tight here in their underwriting, to slow credit. And slow so if I were him, I'd be talking a big game too. And regardless of whether I thought I'd actually get to that interest rate you know the five to five and a quarter it doesn't really matter. I don't care i could be i don't care about I, I'm not worried about my forecast for the federal funds rate, but i what I want the fact that he the, the he's talking as tough as he is now reduces the odds that he actually has to raise rates that high in the future because he gets the tightening in financial conditions that sound right
2: yeah, that's that that's right. He needs yeah. to and I think he is sincere that he will. He will do what it takes. Yeah. Right? Oh, I yeah. don't think he's bluffing here. Um, but yeah, I think it's part of the the narrative is to convince the, convince everyone, establish that credibility so that he doesn't actually have to use that, uh, that tool uh, at the end of the day.
0: Right, okay. Hey, let's play the uh, statistics game. You guys ready to play? Sure. So you ready?
1: Yep, I'm ready.
0: Okay, just to, to, uh, to summarize the statistics game. We each uh, put forward a statistic. Uh, The uh, rest of us try to figure that out through questioning and clues, deductive reasoning. The best statistic is one that's not so easy. We get it right away, not so hard that we never get it. And it'd be nice if it's apropos to uh, the topic at hand, in this case, the labor market or some economic information that came out over the past week, since the last time we played the game. Okay, you're up, Marissa. What's your statistic? Twenty nine thousand. Twenty nine thousand. Is it in the employment report? Yes. Is it in the establishment survey?
2: Yes. Is it employment in a sector then? No. No. Oh.
0: Oh, it's not an employment in a a sector or industry. Uh, Nope. Is it a change in something?
1: (laughs) It. Ooh. Not in the way you're thinking about it
0: oh oh ooh. wow <laughs> is it, it, it oh my gosh uh okay uh is it it's not employ- some measure of employment
1: it is it is okay. it is related to the measure of payroll employment
0: okay Does is it, it a
2: difference so between Mm-hmm. Um, between what <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I got that it's a re- difference that's a that's important. <laughs>
1: there. we've established
2: uh, I'm, I'm uh, trying to go through with the list of what could be 29,000
1: it seems so low
2: for you yeah.
1: can I shall I give you a hint
0: yeah yeah
1: it, Chris you talked about this when you when you gave the thumbnail sketch of the jobs report you talked about this
2: oh revisions is that the
1: yeah yeah okay so it's the it's the, re, it's the combined revisions to the august and september employment report so august was revised down by 23,000 and september was re- revised up by 52,000 for oh, a uh, net okay. positive 29,000 uh, revision between august and
2: september okay okay, okay. okay. Nice. Uh, okay, <laughs>
0: fair enough. But why did you pick that? What's the, except that you wanted to stump us, other than
2: that.
1: Why, why did you pick that? Well, Which, is a good well, I, Which is a good reason. Which is yeah, a good reason. Which is a The stumping, it okay. also just shows more strength in the job market, right? I mean, it's, it's the, oh. the revisions like, yes, yeah, August coming down for <laughs> revisions. Oh. But September. Come on, hand me a break. September 29K. being revised up by 52,000 is pretty significant. So you you went from a job gain in September that was under three hundred thousand to one that was over three hundred thousand. Well let me ask you this. Basically at three hundred thousand for those two months.
0: What is underlying job growth? Abstracting from the revisions up and down in the monthly data, what do you think underlying job growth is now in the establishment survey, this the survey of businesses? Now? Yeah.
1: What do I think it is now? Probably two fifty-ish. Ooh.
0: Really? Okay. How do you yeah. get to 250? Because we're we got we're at 260, and then before that we were at 350. Yeah. How do you get to 250?
1: I, I'm just thinking of revisions that may be coming, and oh. I think it's a oh. little weaker than what than what we see now. I mean, okay. now that we've seen this this household survey data for the month, and we've seen the unemployment rate go up, I would not be surprised if we get a downward revision to the payroll survey.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: And, you know, it'll get it'll get revised twice, too, right? So. Yeah. You did say something that
0: maybe earlier that I, I didn't um, ask for explication, but maybe I should. You said that on the household survey, that's the survey mm-hmm. of households. They, there is an adjustment that the BLS does to make it apples to apples with the establishment survey, because these are two different um, uh, ways of measuring, you know, what's going on in the job market. And they're conceptually a little bit different, exactly what's included in each. Did, it, it, did you say that the household employment numbers are actually even, the, the, the changes are even weaker once you, more recently, once you make that adjustment to be apples to apples with the establishment survey is that right
1: yeah that that is right i'm trying to find what the number was but it would be it would have been an even bigger decline in Um, household employment if you do this apples to apples comparison Mm -hmm. right so they don't bls doesn't publish this in the news release but they do if you go to their website Mm -hmm. they have a section where they make this adjustment they go through how they adjust it so you know they take They add in multiple job holders, they take out family workers, they take out the self-employed, those sorts of things. And when you make all of these adjustments to make the the concepts the same, yeah, it would have been an even larger um, decline.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, and I don't want to stretch this too far, I don't want to make too big a case, but there has been academic research that shows that Big movements in the household survey tend to lead movements in the establishment survey, which is kind of uh, saying the same thing you just said mm-hmm. about future job growth. But maybe revisions to the establishment survey is that is that right? Do I have that right? Okay. I,
1: I, I yeah, I think it's. I don't know how much research there is out there that's really definitive that shows that household employment might be leading payroll um i haven't you know looked at in a while and i don't know what's recently out there but yeah i I have heard that as well
2: okay all right chris you're up what's your number all right a little bit of a stumper i think Uh 4.63 million say that again 4.63 million
0: okay it feels like it's in the employment data
2: it is 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 it it in in the
1: the household survey
2: uh not exactly, but oh my gosh.
1: Not exact. <laughs>
2: So is
0: it is it in the BLS employment report that came out today?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. It was released today.
0: Yes. Is it okay? Is it <laughs> I, I think they is it something related to COVID and the impact of COVID? No. No. Is it uh, related to um there are a lot of people who were out sick. Are that no, that sounds no, that can't no. be it. That was too high. It's too many people.
2: Uh, if I told it, you it came from the, uh, it's from the current population survey.
1: Okay. CPS.
2: Does that help you? Okay.
1: Yeah, but I asked that and you said not exactly.
0: You yeah, that's the household survey. CPS, isn't that the household survey?
1: CPS? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Current pop- population survey. As opposed to the CES, the current, uh, what's the CES? Current Uh, for an employment survey survey. for an employment survey okay so is it the number of
1: is it the number of people uh, is it does it have something to do with category does it have something to do with unemployment
2: does it have something to do with unemployed
1: yes the unemployed Uh,
2: uh, well
0: could, you're really hesitating on this.
2: It I, is. Uh this is really weird. Uh <laughs> they are uh, I don't want to give it away. Oh uh,
1: number one again? <laughs> 4.63
2: 4 4. million. 6,
1: 3 million. 4. Well, there are people 6, who are not million.
2: employed. How about that? Say that again. People who are not employed or who were who were not employed.
0: Is it is it uh Something like uh, the number of people that are not in the labor force but who want a job.
2: Oh, you uh, well, so close. Uh, I'll give it to you. They're not discouraged workers. What's
1: that? Marginally attached.
2: No, 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 you're you're very close, Mark. It's people who were not in the labor force last month who became employed this month.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that that was different than I was thinking. Yeah. So. Okay, that's interesting. Okay,
2: it is interesting, right? So it's a it's a it's large. It's larger than the number of people who go from being unemployed to employed, which is about one point five million. So it's it's hmm. a significant chunk, and I wanted to highlight it not because it changed all that much, but just to demonstrate how difficult it is to actually measure the labor market because you have these fairly sizable group of people who just you know is not actively looking for work. They're not in the labor force. And then the next month they are, right? So they Mm -hmm. they transition directly.
0: Well, you know, that brings up an interesting point. I mean, one of the uh, reasons for lower participation is a a, uh, low level of uh, number of retirees coming back into the workforce. So uh, interestingly enough, when the pandemic hit, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't see a, a lot more people retire than typical, maybe a little bit more early on, but it, that didn't stand out. What stood out was the number of people who have retired that actually come back to work, which is actually quite considerable in any given in any given month. And that has been very depressed, you know, since the pandemic. Yeah. And it goes a long way to explaining some of the shortfall in, ter- in terms of participation. And I've always thought it was unclear, you know, what's going on there. You know, some of it might've been, stock prices were high housing values were high and th- these folks felt like well I don't really need to go back to work and part of it might be might have been covid you know I don't want to I'm a little nervous about going back uh, into the workforce and getting sick but both if the, those are the explanations then both of those seem less of a, of a factor today right i mean the stock market is down a lot housing values have rolled over so people surely are feeling less wealthy and maybe starting to feel, oh, maybe I don't have the kind of nest egg I thought I did in retirement. And clearly COVID still out there, but people likely are becoming less nervous about that, you know, given it's less virulent and more people have vaccinations and that kind of thing. So it feels like the statistic, your statistic kind of highlights that that we are starting to see some of those retirees that weren't in the labor, they're not in the labor force, starting to come back into work. Is that, does that resonate with you, Chris? That story. Yeah,
2: I, I think I, you know, that's that that data is also um, reported by the uh, by the BLS directly. Um, oh,
0: uh-huh.
2: right. Just in terms of the number of folks in different age cohorts that are are rejoining uh, the labor force, but I, I think that's right. Though I think that the inflationary environment certainly is causing people to rethink, and the markets falling right. So clearly, that is going to motivate more people to to return uh, to the labor force who may have, uh, retired early. And I also think they're more flexible, uh, work arrangements, uh, today as well. So it's, you know, you don't have to commit to a full-time job necessarily. You can pick up some gig work. You could probably do some part-time or consulting work, right? So remote work, remote work. Exactly. So there's more flexibility there as well. That should lead to some opportunities.
0: Right. Uh, That was a good statistic. That was a good one. Um, no way we would have gotten that though, that'd have been pretty amazing. Well,
2: I didn't give you a yeah. really fighting a chance no. with the hint, yeah,
0: there. that was the, but it a very good one. Okay, I'm going to mix what it up got? a little bit, I'm going to mix All it up right. a little bit, and that's a clue. Okay, Jolts, uh, <laughs> Jolts. what's
2: that Jolts report?
0: Well, I, there's a lot Double in that Jolts. Jolts report we didn't talk about, which I'd like to talk about, but uh, no, this is not in the Jolts report, but oh, okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it to you. Ready, yeah, six percent.
2: 6%. And it's from the employment report today? It is not. It is not.
0: I'm it mixing em- it up.
1: Uh-huh.
2: It's, it's employment related? No. Uh-huh. Labor market? Okay. No.
1: Nope. It's not 6%. employment related.
2: Not em- nope. not employment. 6%. It,
0: it is It is a statistic that came out this week, though. So it, it's not the topic oh, at hand. It, but it, is go it,
1: ahead. Is it growth in unit labor costs?
0: No, that's that's actually pretty interesting. No, unit labor costs being uh, compensation growth less productivity growth, but which is very high because productivity growth has been weak yeah. and wage growth strong. But no, that's not it. But that would have been a good one.
1: Yeah, I think that was around six percent.
0: I think I, it might have been even higher. Yeah, it's around six. Yeah, but th- that's not what I had in
1: mind. Okay, it's not. It's not it.
0: Yeah. Uh... What's our other favorite market that we tend to always talk about? Housing. The housing market. Okay. That's a big hint. 6% came out
2: this week. Came out this week. A mortgage MBA. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's actually. Oh, uh, a home ownership uh, vacancy.
0: Um, exactly. So what? which vacancy?
2: I'm trying to remember which one. Oh. The rental?
0: Rental vacancy rate. That That's is the me. rental vacancy rate. 6%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, bonus. Uh <laughs> You tell me, what is the homeowner vacancy rate? Lower than 6%. <laughs> yes, indeed Yes, <it> <laughs> I, I, I think that's a, right that's a cowbell right there.
1: It's a cowbell right there. Thank you.
0: A, a, a mini cowbell. No, it's is 0.9. Is it like 2? Uh, okay,
1: okay, yeah. yeah and the reason two. I
0: bring this up is they're both very low. The rental vacancy rate at 6% is uh Uh, well below what I would consider to be the so-called equilibrium vacancy rate. That's the vacancy rate that's consistent with zero real rent growth. So rent growth that's equal to inflation, zero real rent growth. That that vacancy rate's seven. So we're below that. So that's a very tight rental market and we're getting strong rent growth. But it went from 5.6% to six in that quarter, in the quarter it mm. came out. This is data for the third quarter of 2022. It does indicate as we have been expecting that the rental market is gonna start easing up here because we're getting more supply because uh, supply chains are easing and units in uh, in the pipeline going to completion are starting to get completed uh, and less demand because of the strong rent growth and the hit to, uh, to uh, the ability of households to form. So that, you know, is a good sign in the sense that, again, in the spirit of bad news is good news, <laughs> vacancy rate is up. But that is, suggests that we're, we're much more likely to see more moderate rent growth going forward. And that's obviously very critical to getting house, the cost of housing, the growth in the cost of housing down and getting inflation back down is something that's supposed to target. The point nine, that is the homeowner vacancy rate. That too is very low. Uh, um, I think the equilibrium homeowner vacancy rate is probably 1.3, 1.4. So it's still a tight single family market, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But that's up from where it was and it was at a record low in the previous quarter. So the the good news, the, the bad news, which is good news, is it feels like the housing market, which has been incredibly tight in generating these very strong rent gains, which is adding to the inflationary pressures is starting to move in the right direction in terms of getting those inflation uh get, getting rent growth uh, to slow and getting inflation back to something that you know we can more What do you think? That is good news. Good. Uh, so okay, okay. That's good news. Okay. Well, right. in the
2: sense of uh yeah. Well, the the problem the is the time. lags, right? The, yeah. the the lags are an issue, right? Inflation's okay, still well, going to be high. Uh,
0: we're going to I think this is going to be a shorter podcast because as I said we're all kind of out there uh, running around traveling a little bit uh but let me uh, end, uh let's end the conversation like we've ended it uh a number of times since the beginning of the year and that is what does this all mean for recession in the coming year uh uh so what is your probability of recession uh beginning at some point in the next, well, let's so say through the end of 2023, a little over, over the, uh, through the, the coming year. Um, and, and what is it today and how, how has that changed? So Marissa, uh, how do you handicap things?
1: I I'm at 60%. Um, and actually I've, I've come down a little bit on that, I think in the last few months, um, mostly because Like I said, I kind of feel like we're at an inflection and we're starting to see the results of monetary policy cooling things down, but not totally crashing it. So I feel and inflation expectations are well tethered. Um, Yeah, so I'm at 60.
0: Okay, okay. So you, you said it's come down. So you mean you were at mm-hmm. what 65 or 70? I think
1: I was at, I think my, no, I think my, yeah, I think my high point was like 65, 66 a few months ago.
0: Oh, so you, you're coming back in. So like everyone yeah. in the world is becoming more pessimistic.
1: Yeah.
0: You're becoming less pessimistic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. You've so had an you. effect on her, Mark. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, you've had an effect.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah! Finally, I've had effect on somebody. <laughs> no one's listening to me. And the reason you say this is because you, you, you're to paraphrase what you said. You're now seeing evidence that the rate hikes are having an impact. Growth is slowing, which is necessary to get inflation back down and avoid a recession. That that's what you're you're starting to finally see it. That's making you feel a little bit more optimistic.
1: Yeah. And I, and I feel like it is going kind of to, to script the Fed script, right? There is, of course, as we talked about earlier, there is at least we're expecting three more rate hikes through the end of January. So there's a possibility that it could be overdone. I mean, there is a possibility that they, you know, depending on what the data look like, that they do send the economy into a recession, or they have to send the economy into a recession in order to get inflation under control. So I still think that's a big risk, which is why I'm at 60%. But so far, I think it's going the way they want it to go.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I hear you.
2: Uh, Chris, okay. Where are you? I'm sticking with 70%. I've been there for a while now. Uh, So 30% 30 chance that we navigate the narrow path that you've laid out. So I think that's still pretty high.
0: Uh, (laughs) Can I ask you this? You know, when people put down like these probabilities, they have an arrow pointing up or pointing down to indicate where the risks lie uh, with regard to that probability. So you're at 70. Is the arrow pointing up more risk that it's going to rise or pointing down more risk that it's going to fall? Up. Oh, okay. Up. All right. So you're 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 pessimistic, and the risk is that you're not pessimistic enough.
2: Enough, All right.
0: Interesting. <laughs> and you don't take any solace in the the numbers that they are not, as Marissa said, they feel like they're sticking to script. That that doesn't give you any solace, or it gives you solace, but it doesn't really matter.
2: Not the um, they are going to script, but I had already had accounted for that script. It's not. It's not deviating from my my uh, thinking uh, to this point. I didn't expect a a, a very uh, significant change in terms of the uh, employment picture, for example. So it doesn't really influence anything. But I, I I certainly react to the data. But I'm also looking at you know oil prices. I'm looking at the uh, the yield curve, of course. Right there. There are still many factors here mm-hmm. that are. Dangerous in terms of, um, of oh, yeah. uh, recession risks going forward, right? and the wages are not coming in as quickly as I think would be necessary for the Fed to really take their foot off um, the brakes here.
0: All right. Well, well, let me ask you this: you know, going back to that frame I provided on uh, how we get into recession. Yeah. One way is. The economy doesn't stick to script it doesn't slow sufficiently uh and wage price pressures remain intense and the fed uh appropriately uh pushes up interest rates and pushes in into recession to get rid of that inflation there is no other way to do it the, the economy is not going and you could argue you know that that's not unreasonable scenario because to go into the job market, you know, it it feels like businesses are very reluctant to lay off workers, right? Mm -hmm. They know that their number one problem now and for the foreseeable future through thick and thin is I can't find workers because it's just demographics, right? And, you know, I don't really, okay, you know, my sales are off, the economy's soft, but I, and there's a lot of risk, but I don't want to, I'll stop hiring, which is what we're observing, but I'm not going to lay anyone off because, Uh, you know, I know I'm going to need them two years from now and I don't want to do, and getting them back going to be very difficult. Therefore,
2: especially given the pandemic, right? This is what, right. right?
0: And they don't lay off workers. And therefore the fed says, oh my gosh, I got to completely crush this psychology Mm -hmm. and I got to raise interest rates. So that's one way we get into recession. The second way again is every economy is cooperating, but the fed misjudges and keeps on raising interest rates, doesn't pause and pushes us in or just makes a mistake. We don't again, it's hard to we'll never be able to prove it because you can't you don't know what the counterfactual is, but they make a mistake. And the third is everything sticks roughly to script or very weak. And then some shock comes along, you know, oil prices go back over 100, for, you know, because the EU botched its implementation of sanctions or something. You know, I'm just making that right. up. Yep. Or OPEC yep. says I'm going to cut another two million barrels of, of from my uh, production quotas, you know that kind of thing. So, in my what I heard you say is, you don't think the reason we go into recession is for the first reason that the economy doesn't cooperate. It could be the case, but that's not the reason why you're saying this. Your 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 probabilities of recession are so high. You're saying my probabilities of recession are so high because is because of the other two factors: the Fed makes a mistake and or we get uh, get hit by a shock. Is that am I inter- am I saying that right? Uh,
2: possible. We're, I guess it depends where you put the investor community, right? If these if indeed the uh financial markets the investors are not cooperating, they're not tightening the uh financial conditions. They keep rallying, right? Do you consider that uh the economy not cooperating and therefore the Fed has to be more aggressive or is that uh, uh,
0: that's tertiary. At the end of the day, it's the you know uh, the economy that matters. You know what happens with financial conditions doesn't. You know that's a driver of whether the economy is cooperating. So under the the first scenario, financial conditions are sufficiently tight that the economy slows in a way that inflation is going to go back to the Fed's target in a timely way. It, it, okay, it,
2: so you it, would throw that into the third category if investors just you know throw characters uh, to the wind and they just are fighting the no that, fighting the fed at every instance and the fed really the has economy to
0: doesn't cooperate doesn't slow that's Correct. number one okay. the economy doesn't cooperate
2: okay i guess it's it's the combination of both then.
0: <laughs> well no c- c- number three is a shock it's a negative shock
2: yeah but you're you're i guess you're saying the investors are not part of the shock Either, they aren't. could
0: be. If the if financial stock market sold off forty percent for whatever reason, that that could be, you know, that could be. But usually, that there's a
2: there's a reason for that. There's a shock, you know. No, or, I'm saying the opposite. Right? We've been talking no, but, about okay, the need for yeah, uh, financial yeah, it, conditions it, to come in, and if they if they don't, right, the Fed is going to have to come in harder, right?
0: Yeah, but that 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 means the economy is not slowing sufficiently because financial conditions are too easy. The only reason why it matters is because it matters what it means for the real economy.
2: Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So okay. it's all part of number one. I mean, it doesn't matter. Okay. It is
2: part of the number one. Okay. Yeah, Got it. sure. I mean,
0: okay. the stock market can go up and down all around who cares in the context of what it means, you know, unless it for inflation, unless it, it's influencing the economic conditions.
2: Yeah. But it's not just the stock market. right? It's lending conditions are also easing, yeah, Right. All that's, above. that's what I'm saying. Right. If, if the, uh, if the, Rest of the economy reads the, the situation incorrectly and starts easing, right? Loosening up. Yeah. And uh uh the Fed is gonna have to come in much more harshly. Because why? Right, because uh because the Fed because it's all psychological, right? There no, but
0: why? I mean, so suppose the stock market rose 30% tomorrow. Why did this Fed have to respond to that? Why? Oh because, because other the conditions not are not gonna easy. respond. The economy's gonna not weaken, right?
2: Oh, but the, the, I'm, I'm presuming that they're rallying Monetary because,
0: policy because of what it means for the economy, right?
2: Correct. But so lending standards are, are easing, right? There's loosening going on okay. in the economy. There's a, all right, that's going to create an infl- inflationary pressures. It's going to add to it, right? Why? Why, Why is it adding to inflationary yeah. pressures? Why? It's, in, 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 it's increasing Stronger demand.
0: economic growth, right?
2: Good, correct. Correct. Okay, so the economy is not
0: cooperating.
2: Okay. A,
0: there, right. I mean, financial conditions only matter for monetary policy in that they're not affecting the, they're not weighing on the economic growth. They're not. Uh, the economy is not cooperating with the Fed's, uh, what the Fed needs for for it to happen. Right. I mean, financial conditions by themselves don't matter. What What only really matters is the economy, jobs, wage growth, inflation. Right. The, the right market- but,
2: the, but those all respond to the financial conditions. Right. We just established that. If, if lending standards are easing, if we're putting more uh, impetus into the economy, right, there's going to be faster growth, there's going to be higher. Yeah, but
0: it, uh, OK, I, I, maybe we're just talking over each other. I, <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, the reason we go into recession on number one is because the, the economy doesn't slow sufficiently. for whatever reason, financial conditions, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Okay, but the economy doesn't slow sufficiently to bring in wage growth and inflation. That's number one. But you're saying that you don't think that's the case. That's not the reason why we go into into. It. I have a reason to press this because I have a, actually a question I want to ask you. Okay. okay, but I'm just trying to understand. You know, we're, you know, your thinking around this.
2: I don't so think it's the main reason. I think it is a uh, potential reason. Though, right? Okay, that, there's yeah. that psychological piece of it that. Uh, um. That causes the reason businesses we, to expand. The, reason,
0: the more likely reason we go into recession is not because the economy doesn't cooperate; it's because the Fed misjudges what's going on, or or that we get shot, we get hit by another uh, shock.
2: Yeah, I would say it's more likely another shock. They could certainly be related, though, right? Yeah. Okay. One so could so we cause we, other- Okay,
0: so I, this is the reason why I'm pressing you. All right. But, and it gets down to the forecast. You know, the forecast philosophy. How do you? If you believe, if your thinking is we're going to go into recession because we get a shock, another shock, how do you bring that into a baseline forecast? What do I do with that? I mean, am I just assuming a shock occurs at some point in time and it's big enough that it's going to push us into recession? How do I actually make that work operationally in terms of producing a forecast?
2: Yeah. So I'm submitting that the economy is in a very vulnerable, weak yeah. position. It's extremely uh sensitive to any type of uh shock i don't know exactly what that shock may be but the probability is pretty high we'll get some type of shock right yeah most likely a supply shock of some sort i can put that into the the assumptions right i'm gonna have to choose something at the end of the day so i'll I'll choose an energy price shock here yeah that would ultimately tip us in right
0: okay so how do i bring what do i say that that's going to happen in the second quarter, the third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, why do I, how do I, what do I do with that? I mean, I'm just making some kind of assumption around that, that, you know, there's some event that I don't know what it is exactly, but it will happen. And therefore we're going into recession.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: So I'm going to make something you're, you're like, well, how, in the case of an oil, uh, oil shock, what would you say that would generate a recession in 2023? And when would it generate it?
2: Oh, so we go through the winter. I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, uh, Europe makes it through. They're trying to refill the tanks. Come spring and summer, Ukraine conflict is is continuing. Oil prices, gas prices, energy prices uh, go go up once again. And that's sufficient, given the vulnerability in the economy, to tip us, tip us into recession. Right? Combined with the fact that we are we will have also increased the, uh, the fed funds rate. Right.
0: And you would and make slow that down your the economy. Forecast. You would, that, you would, that would be your baseline forecast. So you would say that's what's going to happen and we're going to have that kind of a shock. And that's, what's going to push us into recession in the second quarter of next year. You would, you would make that your, yeah, if, forecast.
2: if pressed to say what, uh, what specific event. Yeah, that's what. Maybe,
0: no, no, no. Okay. See. But here yeah. we have a forecast. Correct. We have a baseline forecast. And now, Chris, it's your job. You are now- Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> you would do that. You would say, okay, we're going to have an oil price shock in the second quarter that would be sufficient to push the economy into recession. And you would have that as your baseline.
2: That's my most likely- scenario. Okay. Correct. I'm
0: just saying, but that's what you would do. You would actually have a forecast baseline that has a recession beginning in the second quarter of next year because of an oil price shock.
2: Yeah. Your point is that there must be a narrative- that no, uh, I'm just saying force, I, I, right?
0: I don't, it's because I don't know what the narrative is and I I'm, I'm 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 you're saying there's going to be some kind of other shock you're forecasting another shock or maybe you're maybe maybe it's something like it doesn't really matter it's going to be the economy's going to be so fragile at the end of the day it doesn't really matter and, it's, that, and, to, and right now the maximum the maximum vulnerability is going to be in the middle of next year so whatever it is it doesn't matter That's when we're going in.
2: That's what I originally was saying. Yes. But you're not satisfied with that. You want something. And I I understand that you need to make it, you know, it's an actual uh, forecast. It has numbers in it, right? You have to make something. Yeah. You have to make it work, right? So you have to make it.
0: Well, and also it's very explicit because now we're going to say oil prices jump and it has very different implications for, you know, different industries, different regions. And, you know, we're saying this is how we get into recession, which, you know, feels like a difficult thing to do. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, but I think the, uh, yeah, of, of course I see what you're saying, all right? You have yeah. to, um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, but there are risks on the other side as well to assume if you do believe that the economy is vulnerable to shock and that the, shock, the likelihood of, I'm saying that the probability of some shock is significantly high, that uh, it warrants uh, being included in the baseline,
0: and I, I totally get that. I <laughs> totally get it. I totally get it. Except is,
2: if you don't, the reality put in,
0: is you got to pick. You got to pick a shock, and you got to put it into the forecast. And you almost know by definition that that's going to be wrong. It may maybe it's the highest probability, but it could be some a gazillion other shocks that you know, come along. You know that you know it could be anything
2: but it could but if, but i think if i am thinking about the end user of the forecast why are they consuming this yeah, what are they doing right. with it right they're trying to forecast some type of something else right a portfolio of loans performance or uh, sales uh, revenues what what have you right to exclude that possibility that the that there will be a shock a recessionary type of event right but i think you're biasing in, in the other direction or you're certainly uh, running the risk that you're not putting enough. uh, uh, no, slow, uh a, slow I, down no, I, down I there.
0: feel there's a there's a. It just feels un- I'm uncomfortable forecasting a shock.
2: I can a sense that. A shock. I can I'm sense, a, sense a,
0: that. A <laughs> by by definition, a shock is like uh, pretty hard to forecast. You know, maybe un- you can't forecast it. You see what I'm saying? But I I hear you. It's a very that you.
2: I mean, we have all our, our, in all fairness. Our alternative scenarios do have shocks in them, right? Oh no,
0: no, that I get right. So we I, do forecast shocks.
2: Fine. We do forecast shocks no in other scenarios. Yeah, you're just saying the baseline. You're yeah. You're not willing. Yeah. Right.
0: All right, okay. All right, I I'm, we're gonna uh, a great <laughs> discussion. But you you see the it's mind numbing how difficult this is. You know uh, uh, to to go down the path of of uh, forecasting recession based on a shock. Now, if you had said to me, the reason we go into recession is because the economy doesn't cooperate, that I get, you know that, that's pretty straightforward. But a, a Fed mistake, that's, that's pretty hard to do. And a shock is pretty hard to do, but, none, but nonetheless, a, a very good, good discussion. So I'm at 50%, and I was at 55. I'm actually growing more optimistic too. And I do agree with uh, Marissa, It does feel like we've been kind of forecasting the script, but now it feels like the script is actually unfolding and it feels pretty much too script to me. This is what I would have expected. You know, if you wanted a soft landing again, that's not the right word, but if you wanted a non-recessionary forecast, but, um, but obviously the risks are very high uh, because we could suffer a shock. <laughs> <laughs> and the Fed could make a mistake, yeah, uh, because they've obviously made made mistakes. But anyway, okay. Uh I thought this so, was gonna be short. Oh, <laughs> no, go ahead.
2: So inflation remains high, right? In the first for whatever reason, right? I won't even give if you want a reason, I'll give it to you, right? So mistake. I, I, I agree with you. Putting saying mistake seems uh mm-hmm. As though we are, you know, really accusing the the Fed of negligence, right? If they're reacting to persistently high inflation, right, for whatever reason, right, that's not a mistake per se. That's the right. Uh, that's the right response. You, you see that as a, a low probability type of event, though. That inflate you, by your uh, by your forecast, inflation will be coming down significantly. That uh, they will. Uh, the Fed will feel comfortable not having to to hike once again.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we gotta be humble. I mean, th- th- this is this is not easy. And in fact, when I talk about the economy avoiding recession, I say recession risks are uncomfortably high, and the only way we're going to avoid recession is if we have a little bit of luck, meaning no shocks, and some debt policy making,
2: no ah. mistakes. Uh-huh. So you mistake. are incorporating it into the, in the forecast. You are incorporating a well, not uh, only because I can't incorporate shock.
0: a shock and I can't <laughs> incorporate a Fed mistake. I don't know how to do that.
2: That's but like, implicitly you are you are you're you're assuming there is you know a little bit of luck means yeah. no shock. Right? Yeah,
0: no shock, no shock. Because to say that there's going to be a shock seems, first of all, very hard to do. Say there is a shock, and then the second thing you have to ask yourself: Well, what kind of shock? What is it exactly? Because that has very different implications for your baseline forecast, depending on... And what that when is, is it? <laughs> What's that, Marissa?
1: And also, when does it happen, right? Yeah, and I when mean, does it happen, You're right. kind yeah. of just picking a date.
0: Yeah, but, but on the other hand...
2: <laughs> it <laughs> argues for more scenarios, Not. Uh, not no! Seen. You can
0: see I'm being tortured no. here. I'm being tortured. This is torturous. <laughs> torturous.
2: Yeah, but anyway... Uh the problem okay. is the risks are asymmetric, right? That's
0: that that's true too. The risks area. are asymmetric. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Absolutely agree. They're 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 asymmetric. Yeah. But again, you gotta pick a baseline forecast.
2: Yeah. Anyway. It also I, depends on your what what are you using this uh, forecast for, right?
0: Yeah, we've fought we flogged this to death. We'll come back yeah, to it. I'm yeah, tired. We will. Yeah, we will. I'm tired. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I thought this was going to be a short podcast, but it turned out to be a long one. Hopefully people find this. Do you think, I hope they find this interesting because uh, I don't know if it's too deep into the weeds, but
2: our um, bickering is uh, is entertaining, bickering. I guess. <laughs> oh, definitely entertaining. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, okay. Any Anything else? Uh, last words of wisdom? Okay. Marissa, thanks for joining. I know a little bit, more difficult for you on the road. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah, no problem. Yeah,
0: I appreciate that. Uh, With that, we are going to call it a podcast. Talk to you next week. Thank you.